Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Shine a Light podcast. This is Megan. I am here once again to talk about everybody's favorite subject, which is audio. Um, so this interview was great. It was on Skype again. So when we got all done, I was all excited because I felt like the conversation flowed super well. And then I started listening back and realized that there was a super annoying beeping and just loud sort of crashing noise coming from a bulldozer outside my apartment complex that was moving snow from one pile to the other. So that was super annoying. Thankfully, um, I'm part of a Facebook group for folks who post their podcasts on Anchor, which is the website that I use. And I just kind of posted a quick, does anybody know how to help me? And somebody offered to clean it up for me. That being said, because there was some beeping and the crashing noises or whatever, Sometimes our voices sound just a tiny bit warped, and that's just because of all the editing he had to do to take out the beeping. So it's better than the beeping, I think. That was honestly giving me nightmares. Um, But I just wanted to warn everybody that there is a little bit here and there where it sounds a little warped. Um, I think that's it as far as audio. I do want to give a shout out to my friend Brett, who created the intro music that you just heard. It's just a really cute little clip. I'm so excited uh, that he made that for me. He's amazing. So thank you to Brett. And with that, I hope you enjoy the episode. So hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shine a Light podcast. My name is Megan Landry, and I am here with my very special guest, Annie Calvinesso. So, Andy, I'm going to let you introduce yourself for everybody. Hi, my name is Andy Calvinette. So, I am an entrepreneur. I'm a health and fitness coach, and I'm also an opera singer. Um, I'm 24 years old, and I am from Ann Arbor, Michigan. And what exactly did you want to shine a light on today? Yeah, so I wanted to shine a light on eating disorders, um, specifically pertaining to body image and how the media falsely portrays what is healthy. Because um, I actually had an eating disorder growing up, so it's something that's really close to me. Yeah, absolutely. And such a topic that this is why I'm doing this. It's something that people kind of shy away from talking about. So I'm really glad to have you on to share um, about your story. So when did your struggle start? Um, So it started when I was 12. Um, I actually have a twin sister and I would always compare us because I mean, when you're a twin, everyone compares you. But I would specifically compare when we would go to the doctor and we'd get weighed and I would always be like five pounds heavier. And I just hated that. And I also would, that kind of led to me comparing myself to people in the media, like all the celebrities and magazines and things like that. And I saw them, they they had a totally different uh, body than I did. And I would compare myself to them and I would just want to be skinny so badly. And so how did that manifest for you? Like, what does that mean? How did you kind of act on those feelings? So when I was 12 years old and I started feeling that way, um, I would kind of wake up and look in the mirror at my stomach. I was obsessed with having a flat stomach. So I would look like to the right, to the left, and then the front. I would try to like kind of flatten it out with my hand. It was just something that I was obsessed with. Like I was obsessed with the way that I looked. And I think part of me thought that my worthiness was kind of in my looks as well, which isn't a good thing. Right. Um, so one day I found that someone in my family had a Weight Watchers book. Um, kind of like before technology, like the old school little books that had all the point systems in there and like how to track the points and everything. So I found that um, I weighed myself. Oh, I, I forgot to mention, I would also weigh myself probably three times a day. I was literally obsessed with the number. And that's at um, 12 or kind of all through your teenage years? 
Yeah, 12 and all of them are teenagers, okay. probably until about 18. So I found that Weight Watchers book and I started tracking my points. Um, I don't think my family member who I took it from even noticed that I took it from them because it was kind of just like shoved in a junk drawer somewhere, but I used that to try and lose weight. Um, and I kept it in a little notebook. And one day my sister was in my room and she found the notebook and she started looking through it and she got so mad at me, she ripped it up. Um, so after that, uh, there wasn't technology or anything to track anything. So I would have to write it down. Um, so after I really couldn't try to lose weight because I knew that my sister would find it and she would be mad at me. Mm. So she really stopped me, um, from kind of pursuing, I guess, my eating disorder at a young age. Yeah. At what point do you feel like you realized it was a problem and that maybe you needed help? When I was 18, um, I got my fitness pal on my phone because I got an iPhone and you could track your calories that way. So I did that and I lost about 20 pounds in the span of two to three months. And I was so happy with the way I looked. I thought it was amazing. My stomach was finally super flat. Um, boys were paying attention to me. I got a ton of compliments. I could wear crop tops and not feel bad, bad about it. And I just loved the way that I looked. But I was also obsessed with the numbers. I was obsessed with eating below a thousand calories a day and then burning off the calories I ate. Mm. Um, it was really um, unhealthy habits that I had started. Um, so when I was 18 years old, um, I didn't know this, but I had ulcers on my stomach because the gut lining gets kind of messed up when you don't eat um because there's i don't really know exactly the science behind it but all the acid kind of doesn't really have any food to absorb so it can create ulcers um i didn't realize that i had ulcers and it was kind of a perfect scheme of events that i had had my wisdom teeth removal surgery and with uh taking all the ibuprofen it made the ulcer rupture so it was a medical emergency I had to rush, rush to the hospital. This was when I was 18, and I was just going to start school at U of M, so it could not be worse timing. And I was in the hospital for a week recovering. I, I literally almost died from it. And then I was at home for a week, and I had to start my freshman year of college two weeks late. Yeah. Um, so I actually didn't realize that I had a problem until I went to the doctor for my ulcer, and we were trying to figure out what had caused the ulcer. And she asked me about it. She asked, like, have you ever had an eating disorder? Hmm. And I was like, no. And I was like, wait, maybe, maybe that was an eating disorder. And I kind of explained to her what was happening. And in that moment, it was just shocking to me because I didn't even know what was going on. Right. Yeah. That is, that is crazy that, you know, for that long, you were kind of putting that pressure on yourself and you didn't even realize it until something like that happened. And so I'm just kind of curious, what do you feel like are some of those misconceptions about eating disorders, because it seems to me that in your case and probably the case of a lot of people, it's very hidden. So can you talk a little bit about like the misconceptions? Yeah, I feel like people think that you have to like be throwing up to have an eating disorder. You have to be super, super thin. Mm -hmm. um, when I was younger, there were different, different guidelines for an eating disorder. I think you had to be a certain BMI, but now um, we're learning that can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, no? yeah. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, we're learning that BMI is complete bullshit. Mm -hmm. And because of body composition and different um, people's different body types, it really is not a, a great indicator of health for people. And for so long, when I was younger, I really just relied on those numbers to tell me if I was healthy or not. 
And also for the eating disorder um, chart, or how they kind of tracked if you had an eating disorder or not, you had to be below a certain BMI, which I think is total bullshit because right. an eating disorder is a mental disorder. It's, it's also a physical disorder because it kind of manifests physically, but it really starts with your mentality. And if your mentality is bad, then that that's what, what I call an eating disorder. I completely agree with you. And one thing that I've kind of learned quite a bit about eating disorders is that it has a huge tie in with anxiety because if you're anxious and can't really control your thoughts, but you can control your food, do you feel like there's any correlation there with you? Oh yeah. I was the kid in high school that had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like I had to be the lead in the musical. I had to have like a, I think the highest GPA you could get um, in Notre Dame proper I went was like 4.5. And I tried to beat my GPA every year because I wanted to be like the best, you know? Yeah. So I, I would always like try to be perfect, like get straight A's, believe in the musical, like have perfect hair and makeup every single day. Um, I, I just put so much pressure on myself to be like this perfect person. Right. Um, I think that kind of led to the eating disorder as well because I saw something that I could track and I could control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned that you were kind of comparing yourself to, like, magazines and kind of what people were saying was a good body and you wanted that body. So it definitely sounds to me like you were definitely trying to put yourself up on this higher pedestal. And definitely. Yeah. So talk to me about that moment and kind of what changed after the whole hospitalization and kind of talking to the doctor and finding out that that was an eating disorder. How did you grow from that? How did you start to slowly change Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I first want to start off by saying um, I don't think anyone could have helped me in high school because I was smart. I hit it really, mm-hmm. really well. Like I would hide the app like deep into my phone so no one could find it. So I I don't um, blame anyone for it happening to me. It was completely my fault. Um, I just didn't have the self-awareness back then to realize what was happening. But um, what really changed for me was after my surgery, I was in the hospital and I think I weighed I think my goal weight for like my BMI or something, cause I'm five, I'm five, five. And right now I actually weigh 160 pounds. Um, back then I had started at like 145 or something or 150. And I really wanted to get down to 115, 120. So I was in the hospital after I had lost all this weight. And, um, when I was in the hospital, I couldn't really eat because I, I don't understand everything behind it, but they were like trying to get this stuff out of my stomach. Um, okay disgusting <laughs> and I couldn't eat because my stomach was still kind of messed up so they were feeding me stuff like through a feeding tube and after that it kind of took a while to get my appetite back like I had to slowly start eating again um but since I couldn't eat in the hospital I also lost more weight and I was so weak that I literally couldn't walk mm. um so I remember weighing myself getting home after that week in the hospital um I had to rest for a week at home and I remember weighing myself on the scale seeing how much I weighed and it was 115 and I remember just thinking this is so stupid like I'm 115 right now but my body literally does not function like yeah you weren't feeling great so it's not really the 115 you wanted to be yeah yeah exactly so I I couldn't even walk and I was like wow I'm so weak like Mm -hmm. I weigh 115 but if this is what this is then I don't want to be this um but I still did want to have this like really nice body so when I started my freshman year of college, um, of course, your metabolism is so messed up after you stop your disordered eating habits and try to get healthier. Um, 
So I started to eat more and kind of get it more into the college diet, if you will, with all the pizza and the dining hall food. Yeah, cafeteria food, yep. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And I gained probably 40 pounds of fat, like not muscle of fat, because I couldn't work out. Um, So I just gained all this weight. And I tried to, and then I started kind of freaking out about my body again. Um, I kind of like let the control let myself lose that sense of control for a while after my surgery because I was just kind of focused on surviving honestly yeah and getting the stairs at school mm-hmm. um which I I could not even do when I first got to U of M I couldn't uh go up the stairs with my backpack because it was just too much for me um that's how I made some friends actually they helped me carry my backpack hey there you go <laughs> um, but I I was trying to once I could finally work out I said, okay, I want to get back to how I was before, still not realizing that I had some sort of eating disorder in the past, because this is before I went to the doctor. Okay. Um, And I was on Instagram. That was kind of when that whole Fitstagram thing started. And I looked at this picture of this girl, and I I thought to myself, oh, like, her body looks really good. I want mine to look like that, like, nice and toned and and fit-looking. And I kind of was looking into her page and saw that she lifted weights. So I thought to myself, okay, once I'm completely better and I'm healed, I'll start lifting weights. So this summer after my freshman year, I was finally cleared to start working out. Um, that was like nine months or something of, of not being able to work out, which was insane. Um, so I started following a very regimented um, lifting program that was just designed to make you really strong. I think it was the Jamie Eason bodybuilding.com lifting program. It had me on this. It, it taught me a ton about food. It had me on this, um, like crazy, uh, diet where I would eat like five egg whites, like three times a day and chicken and broccoli and just the kind of typical like bro diet. Yeah. Um, and I just fell in love with lifting weights. And over time, um, that diet actually helped me to build some muscle cause I was eating so much protein. And over time I kind of realized that, it was making me feel strong. It was only making me look strong, but it was making me, my mentality really strong. And I had decided that I just did not care about the scale number anymore and that I cared more about the numbers of the weights that I was lifting. That's awesome. So it seems like you really changed your attitude completely and were able to focus on how you were feeling based on what the scale said or what people around you looked like. So that's incredible that you were able to do that. Um, so I remember kind of also you post starting to post pictures of being in the gym and lifting weights. And I was so proud of you for, um, cause I knew how sick you were your freshman year. So I was so proud of you for doing that. At what point did you decide that you wanted to help other people in that journey? Cause that's what you do now. So when did that sort of become a more important part of your life? Thank you. Yeah. So, um, throughout college, I still was kind of obsessed with body image and most of the reason I was kind of obsessed with it was because I wanted guys to like me. And I thought that if I had like a hot body and, and uh, wore crop tops and stuff that the guys would like me. And then my junior year, I started dating this guy that was like everything on paper, um, like Italian, Catholic, like super fit, like all this stuff. Um, but he was actually like, I still had a, uh, I still had anxiety. Like I still do have anxiety actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's told now, but back then it wasn't, I didn't realize that I had it. So sometimes when you have anxiety, um, you either want to control other people or you're more susceptible to being controlled, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I dated this guy. He was very, very manipulative and very controlling. 
And um, really the only thing we had in common was the gym. And we would just go to the gym all the time. That was like basically all we did. Um, and then when I, I, I finally realized that he was really mean to me because he would always tell me that like, he was very weirdly traditional. He wanted me to like be a housewife and just stay at home, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I just. That's not you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I have yeah. bigger ambitions. Right. Bigger things than that. So I finally just realized that I should break up with him and just do me and not worry about it. So. I broke up with him, and then after that, I I said, okay, you know, I should probably just pursue this fitness thing because I have a degree in voice performance, and it's really hard to get jobs right after school with that degree. Um, definitely not impossible, but it is hard mm-hmm. um, because your voice doesn't really finish developing until you're, like, 32 as an opera singer. So <laughs> I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So I knew that I kind of have a hard time getting jobs and also I have student loans so I I wanted to have something else I could do that I was also really passionate about so the day after um he and I broke up I applied for this job at U of M where I went to school where they would kind of teach you how to be a personal trainer it's like a mentorship program to be a personal trainer and then you take the exam at the end so I I applied for that I got in um studied over the course of like three months and that's it and then I started being a personal trainer. So I was a trainer for about two years um, before I decided to make the switch to online coaching because it could just help people so much more. Right. Um, coach rather than an in-person trainer. And when you were a trainer, were you training mostly other college students? Yeah. So I was training just basically whoever they would bring to me at U of M. I didn't really get to pick um, who I wanted to work with. Right. It was just people who signed up for personal training and they kind of got matched with you. Yeah. And I, I love it, but I love what I'm doing now so much more. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what exactly you are doing now. Cause I think health coach means different things to different people and you, it seems like have a pretty specific, you know, target that you're doing. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So actually when I was in school, um, a big part of opera singing is that you need to have really strong core support. Which, of course, um, if you've seen any of my pictures, I have a huge scar on my stomach. So they had to cut through all of my muscle and and everything in my stomach to um, repair the hole when I had my surgery. So for almost, I'd say, three years in college, um, I really could not use my full voice because I couldn't use my core. So during college, I, I realized that I couldn't use it. Um, whenever my teacher would have any have me do any exercises to engage my core, uh, which are physical exercises, I would not be able to do that because my stomach was just, there was too much scar tissue. It, it just wasn't um, strong enough. So in college, I developed my program called Strength for Singers because I realized that you need a strong core to be able to sing. And doing these exercises and my program that I that I designed actually helped me to build a strong enough core so that I could use my full voice for singing. A lot of the people that you're coaching are singers themselves. Yeah. So now I focus only on singers. Um, I mean, if there's someone that that I feel like would be a really good fit with me, and they're a performer, or they um, are a friend from, I don't know. Like they know you from Instagram. Yeah. 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 Then I would work with them too, but I mostly am really passionate about helping singers also because I feel like, especially opera singers, we love to like go out and get 
glass of wine or chocolate cake after the opera. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be restricted in our diets. So I teach people how to eat intuitively as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I really love that you have a specific target that you kind of reach for. I think it's important. I mean, obviously, whatever you'd be doing is important, but I think it's really cool that you specifically want to help people who might be on a similar journey as you. Um, do you ever coach anybody who has had an eating disorder? I'm just curious how that might uh, how that might work with your journey and how it would align if somebody else were to come to you and say, hey, I'm really struggling. Yeah, so I don't coach people that have eating disorders at the moment. Um, just because I feel like I'm not a therapist. I'm not a nutritionist. Right. Um, I do know a lot about nutrition just from trial and error in my, on myself and working with a bunch of people, but I don't feel like I would be the right fit for a person struggling with an eating disorder mm-hmm. because I'm not really qualified to do that. It's kind of beyond my scope of practice. Right. But I have worked with people who have some disordered eating habits mm-hmm. and the line is kind of, um, kind of a hard line to to navigate because yeah I can imagine because it's probably still super sensitive for you but you also you want to help people but yeah there's everybody's kind of on a different journey and you're right you're not a therapist so they probably need some mental help too so I can only imagine that that might be a little tricky yeah yeah but I have uh, worked with people that have some disordered eating habits Mm -hmm. and I just kind of help them in the same way that I helped myself. Right. Yo, totally makes sense. What do you feel like your relationship is like with food and your body now? We kind of touched on this a little bit, but I've, you know, I see your posts on Instagram and everybody listening might not. So I kind of know, know your, how far you've come, but I'm curious, um, how you feel like your relationship is now. Yeah. So I think my relationship with food is extremely healthy because, um, I've kind of learned to pay attention to what foods make me feel good. And I eat those foods and the things that don't make me feel good, I just don't eat. Um, and I, I practice what I preach for sure. So I, I don't really care if I, if I gain like a couple pounds. Um, and cause I just know that the numbers don't matter. Like I, I don't want the numbers control me anymore. And I don't try to be completely in control of my body because I know that it's, it fluctuates day by day and it just doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Right. Yeah. That's, that's something that I still struggle with. I really struggle with the scale. Um, because for so many years I was focused on the scale because I was losing weight to be healthy because I was obese and overweight before. I mean, there's really no getting around that. So I was trying to lose weight to be healthy to kind of reverse the, I was pre-diabetic. I had high cholesterol. So I was so focused on the scale to try to lose weight and get healthy that now that I am healthy, I still want to look at it all the time when I know that that's not the measure of my body. So I think it's a super important, important thing to share with people who are kind of on a weight loss journey or just a health journey in general, that that's not the only number that matters. So what other numbers do you tell people to pay attention to besides the BMI and the scale? So I'll have them pay attention to their body fat percentage, um, which you can calculate just by taking your measurements. And then of course measurements. So if your waist is shrinking, but the number on the scale isn't moving, that just means that you're losing body fat, which Mm -hmm. like, who cares if, if you're not losing a number weight, if you're losing body fat, you know, people go out on a weight loss journey being like, okay, I want to lose muscle and I want the scale to go down. No, it's, it's that they want to lose fat. Right. Clothes and all that. Um, they feel more confident. Um, I'd also say to pay attention to the way clothes fit Mm because that's a really good indicator, um, that you're losing fat and not just like losing muscle. Um, but I, I hate that a lot of these programs today really focus like 
focus really hard on numbers. Yes. The numbers don't matter that much. It's more about how you feel and how your clothes fit and, and your confidence. Um, so in my program, what I do is I'll have people track for two months and then I'll get them completely off my fitness panel so that they, they already know what they should be eating. And now it's kind of switched into more intuitive eating. Yeah, I've been on my fitness pal for probably about three years now, and I'm just now starting to wean myself off because I agree, I was getting obsessed with putting every little thing in, and I found that it was just taking up too much of my mental space, (laughs) and that I need to just be more balanced, and I know that 90% of the time I'm eating healthy, which I see you post a lot about on Instagram too, is like, you'll share when you're eating a dessert, and you're like, I eat healthy the whole day, I'm allowed to have a treat. So is that something that you kind of stress to your clients too? Definitely. Because I feel like, um, for a lot of people, and this was my experience too, if, um, if I'm so obsessed with eating healthy every single day that I feel extremely guilty over having one dessert, mm-hmm. that's going to kind of lead me into a binge eating episode of just feeling sorry for myself and honestly binge eating out of self-sabotage right? Um, so that I, just feel so bad for myself that I want to make myself feel worse. That's what I used to do. I don't do that anymore. Now it's kind of like I've eaten exactly what you said. I've eaten healthy the entire day. I'm allowed to have a treat. Um, and everything in moderation is kind of my approach. Right. And you're also pretty real on Instagram, which is something I appreciate about following you. Was that an active choice that you made? Did you kind of say like, okay, if I want you know, authenticity between me and my clients, I need to be pretty real. Or do you feel like, um, it just kind of happened naturally? Thank you. Yeah. So honestly, um, I was very closed off and very, I'd say hard hearted before. Um, like people could not get deep with me. Like I would not be emotional. I wouldn't cry at all. Um, this was all before I started my journey as a health and fitness coach. I was, I was very closed off. And once I started this, entrepreneurship kind of makes you pull things out of yourself that you, you couldn't do before. Because in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to be very self-aware. Mm-hmm. Your business is your life. So I remember it was actually back in October um, that I just started being more authentic on Instagram and Facebook. And it's because I went to an event for female entrepreneurs. It's called Pays to be Brave. And at that event, they basically really encouraged the women there of female entrepreneurs to be themselves online. And they said, that's how you're going to connect with your ideal client. If you're yourself, right. A personal brand. Um, they want to have a connection to you. Like it's, they want to put a face to the name. Um, so it's really more about connecting to my audience. And also with being more authentic online, I've become more authentic in life. Oh, that's interesting. Like, okay. Yeah. Don't have secrets anymore with people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm having a bad body image day, someone will know. Right. You see my boyfriend or my sister, or my best friend, mm-hmm. my mom. Um, and I feel like when you have secrets, um, people can kind of hurt you and use them against you. Yeah. Um, but if you don't have any secrets and you're fully confident in yourself in the good and the bad, then no matter what anyone says about you, it doesn't really matter because you know that you are very strong in your confidence in yourself. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I love that. It's this, do you feel like this is what you want to do for your career? So we know that you sing, um, but you, you mentioned that that's a little bit harder to, to get into. So do you feel like this health and fitness is kind of where you'll end up? 
I think so. I've, I've always kind of said that I want to be um, a singer and then also a professor of voice okay. at a school. And then I also want to teach um, strength for singers classes in schools because I think I do work with um, some like higher level professionals. Like I've worked with people that are singing at the Met and um, some other like higher up singers. Okay. Um, but I think that the information that I have could be really helpful for someone that was in my position in college, just trying to learn how to find their core strength for singing. Right. And that's why I think that I would want to teach that in schools one day. Well, that would be amazing. That'd be like perfect for, for you. <laughs> Thank you. What, what do your friends think of what you're doing? And the only reason I asked that is because I had somebody else on here who was a health coach and we talked a little bit about kind of the misconceptions of being a health coach and like that some people are like, eh, I'm going to unfollow you because I'm annoyed with your post, which happened to this girl. So that's why we kind of went that way. So I'm curious what your friends, your boyfriend, your family kind of think of what, what you're doing with your health coaching. They're all honestly extremely supportive. Um, my best friend, Maddie, actually came up with Strength for Singers. She, not the concept, but she came up with the name when we were in college. We were sitting around talking about it, and she came up with the name for it. Oh, that's fun. Um, and when I got my first client, um, she was so, so supportive, and so was my boyfriend, and so was my family. I mean, honestly, I don't. I kind of learned through my journey of self-discovery and self-awareness not to surround myself with people that aren't supportive. Right. Um, because... Truly, I do know what's best for me in my life, and I, I do appreciate other people's input, but I want people in my life that are going to be supportive of me. That's the only type of person that I want in my life. I don't want anyone that's going to be negative or drag me down, so I just don't surround myself with people like that. Right. When I first started um, the transition to be an online health and fitness coach, um, a lot of my family members were concerned. They didn't tell me not to do it, but they were concerned that I maybe wouldn't make money doing it um, or that I, I actually invested um, a lot of money into a business coach to help me um, kind of get my feet on the ground in the okay. online space. So I paid him $3,000 and I had told my family and they were kind of concerned for me, mm -hmm. um, but I actually ended up making back um, almost triple that within a couple months of uh, being a health coach online. Okay. I do think that's an important thing to share too, is that you did invest in yourself for this. This was something that you were taking pretty seriously. So I think for other people who are looking to do that, that's an important note to kind of keep in their head is if you really want to do it, you may have to invest a little bit into it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And my mindset around money was always pretty bad in college because I would always be pinching pennies. Mm -hmm. um, I paid for most of my own school and I paid for my apartment and everything in school. So I really was... Um, independent at 18 years old which was hard but and of course my parents helped me when when I asked for it um but I didn't really feel like I deserved the help so I never asked for it yeah um so my money mindset was pretty bad in college like I would save up every single penny and I wouldn't let myself get the things that I wanted because I didn't feel like I deserved them all all sorts of things like that um but investing my, in myself really helped me to realize that I am worthy of this and that if you want something, you need to invest the time, your energy, your money into it. You need to kind of go all in if, if you want something. Right. I'm writing down go all in because I like, I'm trying to pick up little phrases that the guests say to kind of use as their title. And I really like go all in. So that might be your <laughs> episode title. Um, okay. okay. So let's, 
go back to the, the you as a teenager. What would you tell somebody who's kind of struggling with that now, whether it's the 12 year old you or kind of the 18 year old who is still struggling? What advice would you give to that person? Um, I would tell them to kind of look at who they hang out with. And if they're hanging out with people that are bringing them down, that are making them feel bad about themselves, that are very appearance-driven, then to distance themselves from those people. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of what I hear in my clients is that it's really their surroundings that have caused them to develop an eating disorder mindset. Um, I would also tell them not to pay attention to the media and what diets are popular right now because that's always changing. And I would tell them that when they have a bad body image day to just give themselves some grace, um, let themselves kind of work through those feelings, deal with it in a healthy way, journal, um, talk to someone about it and to just be open about it. I'd say that probably even the fact that they're asking that question shows that they're Mm self-aware, asking for help. So that's more self-aware than I was at that age. I, I was not able to ask for help. So I would say um, that they're they're on a pretty good start and just keep going and keep realizing that they are so deserving of love and they're so worthy no matter what they look like. Yes, that is a definitely such an important message to drive home, especially to girls and boys, I think, of that age range who may not think that they are worthy of getting help. That's something that I say all the time to people who are struggling is like, you are worth getting help. You, you deserve it. It's not, you know, you're not burdening anybody else to get yourself help. So definitely, definitely. a message that we want to strive. Um, what resources have you found helpful? And it can be either be resources kind of through your own struggle with body image and food or resources um, that you found helpful for your business, just any kind of resources that you want to share. Getting, for, for most people, getting a health and fitness coach to help them. That's mm-hmm. why I do what I do um, because I want to set, sort of change um, that mentality around body image and disordered eating and all that. Um, but besides that, a lot of people put free resources on Instagram and a lot of free information. Like I'm always posting information on Instagram. Um, so following people that have a really healthy mentality towards food and exercise and dieting, um, or rather non-dieting. And um, another sort of tangible resource that I have is um, the intuitive eating website which is intuitiveeating.org and it kind of uh tells you how to start eating intuitively um and then something else that i found really helpful um when i was right after the doctor told me that i I maybe had an eating disorder was the uh national institute of mental health where they kind of can screen you for an eating disorder no, those are all really good ones to share um do you so have you shared your story publicly before like whether it's a small group of people or a large group of people or or just now this podcast is is certainly sharing (laughs) it but have you shared it and have you found it helpful for you and for others yeah so I actually started sharing it once I became a personal trainer about three years ago okay that's when I started really sharing my story because before it was just my sister and my mom and my best friend knew mm-hmm. that I had an eating disorder or that I thought I had an eating disorder, which um, for the longest time it was weird. I, I didn't um, I didn't let myself think that I had an eating disorder. I thought that maybe I I didn't really believe it for a while. Yeah, um, and you were still so processing everything, and that totally makes sense. It would take a few years. Yeah, and I was kind of starting to believe it. Um, 
that point because I kind of started to know what was healthy when I was a personal trainer. So I started to to share that with my clients um, in our consultations. I would um, tell them my story to, to kind of um, help them to trust me more as well, to mm-hmm. let them know that I was there for them and that I would listen to them with anything um, that they needed. Yeah. And you shared it with your church. Is that correct? I know there was a video of you, of you sharing your story. Yeah. So after I became a personal trainer, I started talking to people just like one-on-one about it and kind of opening up to friends that I had met. Um, when I met my boyfriend, Spencer, I told him the first night, which was crazy, which was why I knew that we were supposed to date. Yeah. Um, He's going to be there for you. If he can, if he can hear that and still be supportive, that's amazing. You found a good one then. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So, um, it wasn't until I went to this event in, October pays to be brave. And this was actually right after I started um, being a health and fitness coach fully online and and fully committing to my own business. And I quit all my other jobs. Um, I went to this event pays to be brave. And at the event, they were, it it was literally called pays to be brave. They were talking about being brave, um, doing things that you've never done before, stepping out of your comfort zone. And I realized, you know, my story is so powerful and I feel like it could impact a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So they have this thing at St. Mary's called Ignite where you can go and it, it's really a, an amazing event because the students get to go to mass, um, which I actually, I leave the music for that mass. And then afterwards they go downstairs and they have a free dinner uh, by our amazing cook and um, they have a talk with it as well. And I had been all throughout college. I kind of wanted to speak at one of the events about my story, but it was before I had opened up to it about anyone. And I just felt too afraid. Um, but after that event for female entrepreneurs, pays to be brave, um, in October, I asked the people at St. Mary's, I said, I really would like to speak. I have a message that I think would help a lot of people in college. Mm-hmm. So I spoke at that and I cried pretty much the whole way through because it was hard. It's hard to admit to people that you had an eating disorder and that you felt so bad about yourself. It just kind of digs up like weird feelings from the past. Yeah. Especially around your peers. I mean, and people who know you, but don't know that side of you. I can imagine that that's scary to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was really scary, but I did it and I'm really proud that I did it. Absolutely. I it, it helped a lot of people. Yeah. And that's precisely why I wanted to start this podcast is to share the, those kinds of stories that we may not often talk about or hear about so that people who are sitting at home and listening to this, who are struggling can think, okay, well, she, did it and look at how far she's come so I can do it too. And I can get help too. That's really the whole point of this is so that other people can know that they, that they can move past whatever it is that they're going through. Definitely. Oh yeah. I mean, the way that you connect with other humans is by sharing the vulnerable parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's, I realized that I didn't want like mediocre relationships in my life, right? That I wanted to be able to connect with people on a deeper level. So I figured like, I might as well share this story with people. Um, because even if it helps one person, it's so worth it. And also by sharing it, it kind of helps me to heal from it. And it, it helps me to just be able to. Yeah, well, I think I think you hit it right on that it does help you to heal because every time you tell it, it probably gets a little bit easier to share it. And you're probably processing it even even that much more. So I can imagine yeah. that, that is definitely healing for you. Definitely. And I did actually do, um, and I'm not afraid to admit this, I did do therapy and Mm -hmm. I did um what is it called 
EFT okay. therapies. I did uh, emotional freedom techniques. Okay. So the therapist um, would like tap on my hands and then have me recall events from the past because I feel like a lot of those memories from when I was younger, like 12 through 18, I just kind of pushed down. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still there and they need to be released if it's something really emotional like that. So that kind of helps me to finally get over everything fully. And that was um, just in 2017. That was right after I started dating my boyfriend, uh, Spencer. And when you're so closed off like that, like I was, sometimes it manifests in anger. Yeah. And you start to kind of lash out at your loved ones. So he kind of encouraged me along with my sister to go to therapy. And... (laughs) Sorry, I'm starting to cheer up a little bit. No, I I almost am too because I'm like, I'm a big fan of the Spencer guy. I've never met him, but he sounds pretty amazing. I think it's so (laughs) incredible that he could recognize that and that he could help you get to that point. And I know you and your sister, obviously being twins, have grown up together, so she's probably super supportive also. But the fact that they were able to help you get to that point um, and that you took that advice because you could have just said, no, I'm good. I don't need to go. Um, but yeah. it, it's clear that it helped you. So I think that's so cool that you had them there to kind of push you towards that. Yeah. And honestly, I'm a, I'm a much different person now. And I'm, I'm so grateful for it because I used to be so closed off. I didn't really feel like I had a close relationship with anyone. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't feel like I had a close relationship with my boyfriend, my sister, my parents. I just felt like I was hiding so much. Yeah. Um, but now through just being more open, I feel like I've opened up the relationships in my life for more honesty yeah. and more authenticity. And it's, it's so worth it to be that way. Yes. Um, it's, it's really scary because you have, you open yourself up to others hurting you, mm-hmm. but it's, it's so worth it. Yeah. And the people who will be around will be there. They, you, they'll come through and you'll know kind of who you can trust. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm honestly a much different person now than when I was younger. I used to be very stubborn and hard hearted and closed off and kind of self-centered. Like I, I didn't um, really understand other people's emotions and feelings, but now I'm so much more understanding and, and open and I'm willing to talk to people, talk things through with people. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you opened up that you went to therapy because I do think that's an important thing to share. Um, I, I have said it a couple of times that I do believe almost everybody should be going to therapy. So, um, I think it's important to share that it is not uh, a burden and it's not something to be embarrassed about. If you need it and you need to talk to somebody, then you should go. Oh yeah, I agree. Especially, I didn't even realize it, but what I went through was, is actually considered trauma. Like Mm, having that big of a surgery and, and that big of a lifestyle, um, change is, is considered trauma. And I didn't realize it because I never just, I never wanted to play the victim, but, but I had to kind of just deal with that and process through all those emotions that I had been shoving down for years. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I mean, physically and mentally, your body went through a lot at that time. So definitely. Okay. So th- this is the time where I kind of ask everybody to tell me somebody that they want to build up in their lives. So my dad always used to tell my siblings and I build each other up, don't tear each other down. So I thought Aww. that, yeah. So I thought that everybody who comes on should give me somebody that they want to build up. So who do you want to build up? I want to build up my twin sister, Gracie, um, because she was, and always has been my strongest support system. Um, especially she, I think she probably delayed my eating disorder by like six years, honestly, because 
I told the story of when I was 12 and she ripped up that Weight Watchers book. Yeah. I kind of always felt like she was watching over me and that I could not have an eating disorder. And uh, I think she knew when I was tracking, but I, I was so good at hiding it, too. Um, and, yeah, she was there for me during my hospitalization. Um, she always reminds me, like, how amazing and fit. <laughs> Sorry to tear up. Um, how, like, fit and fabulous I am when I'm having an off day, because I'm still not perfect. I still have bad body image days just like everyone else, but I know that I can always rely on her. Mm-hmm. And, um... She's also doing amazing things. Yeah, she uh, is. I mean, as a twin, it's so hard because people just expect us to be the same person and do the same thing. Um, but we kind of went in different directions, and she's just completely owning who she is. Like, she is doing yoga teacher training. She is vegan and, like, so passionate about it. She lives in Nashville. Um, she is an amazing songwriter. She's just doing amazing things, and it's completely different from what I'm doing, but it is a hundred percent Gracie Calvin Esso. And I, I love that she's just like so authentic and just owning who she is. Um, and she's always sort of been that way since we were younger. Like she's always been very open and vulnerable and emotional. And I've kind of just started to become that way. So she's always sort of been a role model for me in that sense, um, with being more open and honest because I see her doing it and I'm not really afraid to do it. Yeah. I, I've obviously watched both of you grow up, um, and I'm very proud of both of you. She's going to come on, too, to talk about how she just kind of picked up and moved to Nashville, which is a scary decision, but especially at your age, I think, to to move so far away. Um, So she's going to talk about that, but I think I agree with you. I think everybody just kind of put you two in a little bucket of like, oh, those are the twins, they sing. So I think it's fun that you've both gone two different ways, um, but still kept singing part of your life somehow. I think that's really cool. Definitely. Yeah. And who knows, we might sing together again someday. But right now we're still I mean, I would say I'm still trying to figure myself out and mm-hmm. do all the self growth stuff that I need to do to sort of be my best self. And uh, who knows if there's a collaboration in our future, whether right. it be with health and fitness or singing or what, because we, we share the same passions, we um, do them differently. And uh, I, I just admire her and what she's doing so much. Absolutely. Okay, so now um, kind of give a fun recommendation. So you gave some really great resources that are great, but more of a fun, like either it's a restaurant or a song that you really like or a book that you've read recently, something fun to recommend for everybody. So um, my favorite podcast, besides this one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Sell Your Mind by um, a woman called Kara Alwaleva. Um, she's an entrepreneur and she's a life coach. And she kind of talks a lot about Owning your story, which really helps me. Um, she talks about up leveling, up leveling your life, um, whether that be in small ways like wearing a different perfume, or big ways like changing apartments so that your um, outer space can match your mindset and all that. Um, she also talks about not giving into your excuses um, and choosing what you're available for in life, which I really love because it kind of helps me to recognize what I deserve and to be unapologetic about that. And uh, she just talks about a lot of amazing topics on that podcast. So I'm just a huge fan of her. I think she's so fabulous. And uh, she has such great advice. That's awesome. I'm always looking for good podcasts like that that are uplifting and um, inspiring. And I always like the ones where you leave with a message. Those are the good ones. So I'll make sure to share that one also. And then I want you to be able to plug your social media. Well, before we do that, do you have anything else that you feel like we didn't cover that you wanted to share with everybody? No, I think we covered everything we are in. I'm so grateful for this uh, interview and so thankful that people want to listen to 
things to say. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think this is going to help a lot of people. I mean, even if, you know, somebody listening to this has a friend that's struggling with it, you know, they can say, hey, I heard this and I want to I help you. So I think it's a super, super important topic. So your social media, you're, you do a lot of your, co- well, not your coaching, but you do a lot of promotion and kind of talking about your health through Instagram. So I want you to, you to plug your Instagram. What is your Instagram name? Yes, my Instagram is just my name. It's at Annie Calvinesso. And um, that's on my Instagram. And then my Facebook is also Annie Calvinesso. Okay. All right. I will share those so that people can follow along. And like I said, um, I really appreciate your Instagram because you're very real. uh, And you're, you're on there quite a bit talking about health and wellness. And it's kind of my reminder during the day. Whenever I look at it, it's, it always brings me some insight. So I definitely recommend following Annie. Um, and I think that may be it. So if anybody listening has specific questions for Annie, they can go to her Instagram um, or they can email me at shinalightpod at gmail.com. I'll make sure she gets them. And um, Annie, do you have any parting words? So the ways that I really got through all the things that happened in my life um, were I have five different things. So the first one is to practice gratitude. Start down by writing three things you're grateful for every day. Um, I do this before I eat a meal every day. It's just kind of like my prayer to God, to the universe, to thank Him for everything. Um, and this kind of helps you to get out of a scarcity mindset, which is like focusing on what you don't have and into an abundant mindset. So focusing on what you do have. Um, the second tip is to learn to say no. Um, put yourself first. You can't pour from an empty cup. Um, so first fill your cup and then give to others. You can't really give to others if you're stressed out all the time and your thoughts are all over the place. So make sure to take care of yourself first. Third tip is to reach out to others for help. You cannot live life alone. No one can. Um, unlike I thought when I was younger, you really can't do anything without someone else's help. So if you need help, ask for it. Every single successful person and by successful, I mean, happy and free, not just like financially successful is not completely self-made. Everyone had teachers and coaches and mentors and friends who helped them along the way. Um, number four is to be confident. Um, so own your shit. Own who you are as a person. Like I said, if you have secrets, people can use those against you. But if you are open with the world and you're confident and you know your flaws, no one can use them against you. Um, so do the work to become more self-aware, whether that's praying, meditating, exercising, um, absorbing quality content like this podcast. Um, having deep conversations with a friend or anything like that. Um, and then the fifth one is just to let go and let God, um, remember the prayer, peace, be not anxious. Um, you guys know I'm Catholic. Well, Megan, you know, (laughs) um, when you struggle to find answers, trust that God has a plan for you and a plan for your life. Um, like try your hardest to get an A on your exam, find a job that lines with who you are, have a perfect work-life balance, all that sort of stuff. But don't worry too much about every little detail because just trust that God has your back. Um, as you know, from my story, he definitely had mine. Yeah, that, okay. So I really like those five tips. We got to make sure we add those in. I think <laughs> I have, as you were saying them, I was just not sitting here nodding because I have so many friends who need to hear all five of those. So, Aww. yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for doing this. I really think that this will help a lot of people and I am proud of you for being brave and willing to share what you oh, to say. thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun, and it's always cool to uh, be able to talk about my story and share it to different audiences that may not have heard it. 